In God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, which is a verse that I'd really like you to memorize this week. As a matter of fact, why don't you just read it with me? Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Let's read it one more time and let that get into our spirit. And I'm going to make a couple of comments as we read it this time. Let's start. Since you excel in so many ways, stop. There are so many of you that are excelling in your faith and in your ministry. As I was writing this message, I just began to think of people in our church that I see excelling, that I see growing, that they're not marking time, they're not standing still, but they're seeking to grow. And then there are some things listed here. Let's look at those. In your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, stop, that would be the knowledge of the word of the Lord, that would be the knowledge of how God works in our lives. Let's go on. Your enthusiasm, stop. The Greek word enthuse means to be in God. So our enthusiasm, as great as it was, and I know you rejoiced with me at that wonderful number, 65-7, that what the Wolverines couldn't do with TCU, Georgia did it for you. And so there was enthusiasm, but I'm not sure that was in Christ. I'm not even sure that comment I just made was in Christ, but it felt good to make it. But enthusiasm, some of you are just shaking your head at me. Pray for me that I'll make it to the end, as they used to say in my church growing up. Your enthusiasm comes from your life in God. People that are passionately following Jesus, they're enthusiastic about life. Can you say amen to that? Your enthusiasm and your love from us. In other words, the love that we share with one another. And then let's conclude the sentence. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Literally in the Greek is, I want you to excel in this grace act of giving. To be a giver in life definitely takes the grace of God. Because the fallen nature that we have as sinners, and one of our board members prayed about our fallen nature yesterday, the fallen nature we have as sinners is not to give, but to accumulate for ourselves. And the scripture says it takes an act of grace to become a giver in life. Would you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the work and the move of your Holy Spirit already this morning. God, I felt it in my bones as we sang, you are the way maker. Lord, as those that we're praying for, that you would make a way in their grief and sorrow. God, because they know that their father, their mother, their brother, their sister, their spouse, Lord, followed Christ, and Christ is the way. And I thank you that even as you said to a thief on the cross, today you will be in paradise with me. I thank you that our loved ones who die in faith are with you. Somebody say amen. And Jesus, I thank you this morning that there is an act of grace that you do. Will you give us what we don't deserve but what we need so that we can excel in this grace act of giving? And so I ask that you would grant us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are willing to obey. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. 
One of my sons is really into CrossFit. <clears throat> Gets up every morning, goes and does CrossFit, coaches CrossFit, goes to these meetings, there are these huge meetings, and judges CrossFit. I think that's the correct way to say what he does. But I've noticed talking with him and watching CrossFit that CrossFit is almost like church. People are encouraging one another. They've, they've got a mission. They're trying to do something. And so just recently, I was reading an article, and because it was about CrossFit, and I like to have those conversations with my son about what he passionately loves to do outside of his work, it, it, it talked about, for many people, and I'm quoting, for many people, CrossFit has become their church. It's their temple of worship. It's where they, they fellowship at. It's where they give and volunteer their time, even their finances at. And then the article went on to talk about all of the places where people are trying to get their needs satisfied. And if I remember correctly, this was in the Atlantic magazine that I was reading. I thought about, and I'll go ahead and tell you who it was. It was Chris. Andrew started walking early in life. Nine months, he was up, he was walking, he was going. Chris, Chris, you know, he was happy to be carried. Matter of fact, he would reach up at you, and if he's listening today or listens later, I'm going to be in a peck of trouble, so you pray for me again. I'm always in need of prayer. But Chris would always reach up and say, hold you, hold you. He wanted you to pick him up and hold him. And we'd watch him, he'd scoot on his belly, and this is probably the way your children learn to walk as well. He'd scoot on his belly, and then he'd get up on his hands and his knees, and he would crawl, and we have all of those VHS videos that we need to get saved to something else of, of Chris, you know, crawling around, and sometimes he just decided he didn't want to walk, and we kept encouraging him to walk, and finally one day, Chris decided he would walk. And so he'd walk a little bit, he'd fall down, then he'd crawl the rest of the way. He'd fall, walk a little bit, fall down, cross the way. Eventually, he got to the place where he looked like a drunk baby. He looked like we had been pouring Jack Daniels bound him or something because he would just be doing this number all over the place, but he was learning to walk. And it wasn't long after that that he learned to run, and he began to excel in walking and in running and becoming you know, the young man that he is, and we're so proud of him. Now, here's what I'm saying. In every area of our life, we have to kind of belly crawl. We have to kind of learn to crawl. We have to kind of go through that drunk baby stage, and then eventually we begin to walk confidently, and we begin to be able to run and do other things. That's kind of the stages are the phases or the facets of life in everything. If you're good at anything this morning, if you're a good architect, if you're a good fisherman or fisherwoman, if you're a good hunter, if you're a good scientist, if you're a great musician or vocalist, then you go through these steps, these phases and these stages of life where you learn how to excel. Our oldest son is teaching our two, two of our grandsons, he's teaching them how to invest, and they're investing and they're learning, and it was so interesting to talk to these two future billionaires over Christmas as they talk about, and every time they would want to spend something, 
Andrew would remind them, so now you can spend this today or you can invest it and we'll see if it grows or you may lose some or you may lose it all. He was being really honest. And we can already see who's the investor and we can see who's the consumer because there is a candy bar out there that I learned all about, Mr. Feast Bar, a Beast Bar, Mr. Beast Bar. Is anybody familiar with that? Now you are. It's a couple of you are. It's an expensive Hershey's candy bar. It's not very good. But my grandson decided he wanted to spend his investing money on Mr. Beast bars. And he says, Papa, you got to try this. And so he broke me off a generous portion of Mr. Beast bar. And if it hadn't have been that I was sitting in front of him, it would have come out of my mouth quicker than cream cheese ever has. But he loved it. And so he's going to have to learn to discipline those appetites that he has. Every area of life, it involves learning how to excel in the different phases. Giving is one of those areas. And as Paul writes to these Christians... He uses the Galatian church as an illustration. And this is so rich and it's so deep because I've seen it. I've been in these poverty-stricken countries with these poverty-stricken people who give so generously. But giving is smart. Consuming more than we need is not smart. And I'm not talking about being a Luddite. I enjoy my iPhone. I'm not talking about being a Luddite. I enjoy, I don't know what the fascination is with hardwood floors. I enjoy carpet. I grew up on hardwood floors. I like to feel that fabric under my feet, especially in the wintertime in Michigan. Can somebody say amen to that? Those of you who grew up on carpet, you know, you can have all the hard... I shouldn't say this because Becky's listening. You can have all the hard words, but I just personally like carpet everywhere except for the bathroom. That had nothing to do with the message either, so we'll move on. But giving is the smart way to live. How many of you believe that God is the most intelligent being that is, has been, or ever will be? Can I see your hand? God's pretty smart, isn't it? I mean, to create this beautiful universe that we live in. Well, the Bible says, for God so loved, he gave. Lovers are givers. People who give love. And there are all kinds of ways we express our love in giving. So giving smarter simply means, first of all, we give to God. We learn to give to God. And if you would, look at 1 Corinthians 16 and 1 through 2 with me. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, that's Sunday, you, the, the Christians begin to meet on Sundays. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Now, the sum of money was, and I'm glad it's not like this. It's not that God says to us, you know, give, you know, this amount of money, give $10,000 or give $1,000 or give $100. God gives us a percentage that everybody can participate in equally. 
If you live at poverty level in the United States, and let's just say poverty level is $20,000 a year. I think I'm correct in saying that. If you can correct me later, I'd appreciate it. But if let's just say poverty level is $20,000. If you give $2,000 a year to the Lord as a tithe, you've given as much in the eyes of God as the millionaire who would give much more than what you've given, financially speaking. You've given as much because you've been faithful in that percentage. But when he talks about the Galatian people giving on the first day of the week, they know what he's talking about. They're giving from extreme poverty. These people don't have anything. These people are poor. These people have trouble feeding themselves, and yet they're giving out of their poverty. The second thing he'd want you to know is they're giving because they have become passionate followers of Jesus Christ. They are passionate about discipleship. They are passionate about obeying the Lord. And they're saying, because we're poor, don't count us out. Because we're poor, don't look down upon us and think that we can't make a difference. Beloved, young person, young man, teenager, grandpa, grandma, if you want to light a candle rather than curse the darkness, learn how to give. If you'd like to change the world and see it better, learn how to give to God because God can take what you give to him as we've looked at the last two weeks. He can transform it into food. He can transform it into shelter. He can transform it into education. He can transform it into the gospel that will lift people out of the gutter, lift people out of poverty and put them on their way to heaven and put them in a life that is growing in health and in prosperity. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? If you want to make a difference. But if you don't want to make a difference, don't be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ because the bar is high. A third thing, he says, is learn to give from excellence. Learn to excel. He's saying, just like I told the churches in Galatia, I want you to learn to excel. If you're belly crawling right now, that's okay. If you're just learning to give, maybe you're not even tithing yet, but learn to give. Kind of put a foot on the ladder and step up on the ladder. If that was a more solid thing, I would step up on it. When you learn to give, you may give a dollar. You may give $10. You may give $20. But just learn to start giving regularly to God because you love him and ask the Lord to teach you how to become a giver. Ask the Lord to get you out of belly crawling, get you out of the God homey stage, get you to the place where you're saying, Lord, I want to partner with you. I want to be a yoke fellow with you and with the body of Christ. I want to learn to excel in this giving. And then make your prayer, Lord, I want to learn to give like Christ gave because Christ gave it all for you and I. That's how we grow in our giving giving like Christ gave. And how does that mean? And that's the fourth one, if you'd put that up on the screen for me. That means that we learn to give the way the Apostle Paul taught us to learn to give. Present yourselves as living sacrifices that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the whole will of God. Secondly, giving smarter is obeying by tithing. It's obeying God by time. It's learning to say, I am going to build into my budget that 
tithing principle. I'm going to obey God. Now, some of you may be watching online. I don't believe anybody here at Woodland would do this because I've taught about this so much. Some of you watching online, you say, well, I heard that tithing was under the law and the law has been done away with, so we don't have to do that now. Well, let me answer that. First of all, that's a wrong application. I don't care who you read that from. That's a wrong application of the law. Tithing was given before the law. Tithing existed long before God gave the law to Moses. As a matter of fact, you may not know this, and you're going to walk out of here and go, I didn't know that. Now I know that. The law added to the tithe so that you gave about 30% of your income to the Lord. So if you want to be legalistic about it, you're giving about 30% to the Lord. But now grace, this grace act of giving, we learn that it's not just the tithe that belongs to God. Everything we have belongs to God. That's why we present ourselves as living sacrifices. Somebody say amen if you understand what I'm saying right there. So think of a bowl of apples. And I was going to do this this morning, but I practiced. And if I ate the apple like I wanted to, you know, it would take this message a lot longer. It'd be a lot messier as well. And also, while I was practicing, I was spitting apple, and I didn't think anybody wanted to see that happen this morning. But I wanted to bring up a bowl of 10 apples this morning, one of them being a golden delicious, and the rest of them being red delicious apples. And I was going to say, this is what we use, the nine apples that's left over with us for tithing. This golden apple, it belongs to the Lord. But all of a sudden I go, you know what? I'd really like to go to the football game. I'd like to take Dan, Dan with me to the football game. And I take a bite out of my tithing apple because my other nine apples are ready. And then I go, oh, goodness, my kid's got to go to the dentist. Then I take another bite out of my tithing apple. Oh, my goodness goodness, there's been, a, there's been a, a breaker that's blown at our house. we got to repair that. I take another. Pretty soon, excuses keep coming up, and all I've got to lay at the cross for Jesus on the first day of the week is the core of an apple that I've consumed God's tithe. It's why the apostle says, learn to obey by tithing. Learn to set aside on the first day of the week it's important that we learn in growing. Look at this passage from the book of Malachi. First of all, begin, the Bible says, begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? And the obvious answer to that is no. Honest people don't rob. They don't bite the golden apple. But you rob me day after day. And the people are surprised. They say, God, how have we robbed you? And he says, the tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this. The only time God says this, test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. Would you stop for just a moment what are some of your wildest dreams? And if you don't have one come to your mind like I have one coming to my mind right now, go home and say, Lord, would you help me dream again? Go back in time if we still have them online and listen to the messages that I preach called Dream Again. God says, I will, I will bless you. I will rebuke the devourer in your life. 
and you'll stop devouring what's mine, and I will bless you in such a way that your 90% will grow and become even more. Look at this passage of Scripture. When it was time for the harvest, uh, Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. I can remember as a little boy, I wondered, why did God get upset? My Sunday school teacher explained it to me this way. Because Cain did not bring his best to the Lord, he bought some. He didn't make his sacrifice the way that his brother Abel did. He brought his best to the Lord, and he worshiped God. And when God called his hand on it, Cain got angry about it. And maybe you're getting angry right now. Listen to me. If you're getting angry right now, the scripture says that anger is like the sin of Cain. It's anger crouching at the door waiting to devour you. I don't make any more money. The staff doesn't make any more money. This church gives away lots of money in missions and home missions and in our community. We have community leaders who come up and thank us for our influence in this community because this church is a giving church. We're not only honest people who like to tithe, but we're honest people who are pay our bills, and we're honest people that invest in other people's lives. Can we give God a thanksgiving offering for what he's doing through Woodland Church? Look at Proverbs 3 and verse 9. For the scripture says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce, and then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, I don't think we have any farmers in the church, but what he's saying here is that I will bless you, I will prosper you, I will bring that that refreshes you into your life if you trust me with a full tithe. Now, this might surprise you, but Jesus told us that we should tithe. Not only should we forgive, not only should we love, not only should we serve, but Jesus said we should tithe. And I know this gets personal, but I've always been honest with you when it comes to the word of the and everything, but especially when it comes to the Lord. And you might feel like this is a little bit in your face this morning. But it's not a message to be in your face. It's a message to show you how to live a blessed life, not just financially, but in every sphere of your life, and see the Lord rebuke the devourer from your life. Thirdly, learn to move beyond tithing to become a generous giver. In the first message of this series, I um, mentioned about how my dad would take a coin purse like this and he would squeeze it open, and my sisters and I would reach in and take money out for the Sunday school offering. One Sunday morning, he squeezed it open, and I, I don't know if you can see it or not, but there was a silver dollar laying in there. And I grabbed the silver dollar, where back in those days, they were real silver. And my dad said, oh, no, no, don't take that one. Let me give you some paper money instead. And he pulled out his billfold, and my daddy had one of those George Costanza billfolds, if you know what I'm talking about. It was just wide and thick, and he pulled out some dollar bills and gave to me to give in Sunday school. And I said that morning, you know, I've looked for, and I haven't been able to find a coin. I'd like to have one. One of the men in the church was here that Sunday morning. He bought me a coin purse that week, and then he put inside of it 
two silver dollars. Now, I got to tell you, the silver dollars don't mean nearly as much to me as this coin purse. I have kept this on my desk all week writing this message because this doesn't mean anything to you, but it means the world to me because somebody in our church heard the message, heard the heard I had been looking, took the extra time to give me something that has been in front of my desk, in front of my eyes, as an inspiration. And when it was given to me, it was says, I put two silver dollars in there. You can give one away and keep the other. And as soon as he, I heard that, I was like, oh, no, I know exactly. I'm going to give both coins away, and I'm going to tell them the story about my daddy. I'm going to find out where he got the coin purse from, and I'm going to put it in the hands of my two grandsons, and I say, this is what your grand, great-grandfather taught me. This is what I taught your daddy, and this is why God blessed our life, because everything that means anything to your grandmother and I has come into our lives because of the goodness and the great of God. Money could not buy what we needed. Money is a lie. God is true, but God will take your money and transform it into what you need today. Somebody say amen this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I told you last week, mammon was from a Syrian God, the word Jesus used, from a Syrian God of greed. It's a spirit, and we think money is going to satisfy us. Only Jesus Christ will satisfy you. I spoke a moment ago about learning how to stop cursing the darkness and light a candle, how to change, learn to give. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then suddenly you'll discover that God takes your little and he makes it become much. The third thing this morning is learn how to become a generous giver, as I said. Now, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Oh, let me read to you from Philemon first. Philemon, verse 6. Paul says, now he's talking to a wealthy, wealthy man. Philemon was a, was a rich man. Let's just all say wealthy. He was a rich man. I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. People with faith are generous. Say that with me. People with faith are generous. Now let's say it like this. Because of faith in Christ, because of faith in Christ, I am generous. Wow, I love the way you said that. Put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This week, I was in a meeting where somebody mocked giving a seed faith. And I go, I know, and I just had to speak. I said, I know that's been mocked, and I know that's been misused. But it's Paul that uses that illustration. Don't mock that. Jesus used that illustration. What you plant, God will return. I don't know how he's going to return it to you, but God will return it to you. Then he goes on in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He goes, you, Matt, John, Belinda, John, you must decide. I can't decide for, I can tell you what God's word says, but you must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or give in response to pressure. I hope you don't feel pressured this morning. I hope you feel encouraged 
For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You're going to see this interview later, not today. But recently, a man in our church stopped by, and he's been wanting to have lunch with me. As a matter of fact, we're having lunch this week. But he stopped by to, to book a lunch with me, and one of the staff came and said that this gentleman is sitting outside in, in the um, foyer. And uh, so I said, go get him. Bring him here. And uh, they brought him in, and he said, Pastor, I just wanted to First of all, I have lunch with you, but I wanted to tell you a story. He's 90 years old. He said, in 1960, my wife and I couldn't pay our bills. We were living in New Mexico. He said, we couldn't pay our bills. Our little girl got sick. And he said, we weren't tithing. And he said, we knew we weren't obeying God by not tithing. He said, and that Sunday night, our little girl got sick. And in those days, if, if you didn't have insurance, you couldn't get treated. He said, we went to church, we went to the altar, and we prayed and asked God to forgive us for not tithing. And even though he said it this way, we could not afford it, Pastor. We wrote our very first ever tithe check. He said, Pastor, I have never missed a bill I have never, ever went without. He said, God has been so good and set me up so well and prospered me and my children and my grandchildren because of the principle of tithing. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? Now stop and think. Remember the principle of the Galatians who in their extreme poverty out of passionate discipleship, they wanted to follow Jesus. They said, don't leave us out. They repented in their extreme poverty, and God has blessed and prospered them magnanimously over the years. Matthew 6, 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So what do we do with this? Number one, Memorize 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Learn to excel. Number two, plan ahead. In other words, look what the Apostle Paul wrote to these Christians. He says, finish what you started. You were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness showed in the beginning be matched by now by your giving. Give in proportion the tithe to what you have. If you start crawling, learn to learn to, to by just giving, learn how to then stand up like the drunken baby and, and give a little more and then eventually climb that ladder to the next stop of learning how to tithe and then learn how to take that next step by coming, you know, a generous giver, learning how to give as God leads you. The third thing is focus on your heart because if like Cain, you find yourself angry about being confronted that you're not tithing or you're not giving, maybe you're not even on the ladder at all, and you're angry and saying, that money, I don't get a cent from this. This is not what this is about. It's about you. It's about you learning to transform darkness into light. It's about you learning how to bless others. It's about you receiving God's blessings in your life. Focus on your heart. 2 Corinthians 8, 12. This is where you learn to give. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. 
One more conversation, and honey, if you'll come on up, I've got to wrap this up. One more conversation this week, somebody called me and says, okay, I heard, they watched online, I heard what you said about tithing. But I have a question. He goes, and this is a young man, he's late 30s, I guess, 40s, early 40s. He says, how does that work? How do I, he says, how do I have more if I tithe when I've actually got less? And I know that you only retain about 75% of what I say. Well, that's generous. You only retain maybe about 5% of what I say. That's the reason we have it online. It's the reason we give you notes. And I said, do you remember me saying that, yes, when I give, there's less money in my checking account balance? Do you remember when I said that when I give, there's less cash in my wallet? But somehow or another, God opens the windows of heaven upon me. He rebukes the devourer, and I have more because I give. I said, so the bottom line is this, and here's what you have to ask yourself. Tom, Judy, here's what you have to ask yourself. Do I want to trust me to bless me and take care of me? Or do I want to trust God to bless me and take care of me? I know me. You know me. There's a limit to what I can do. But with Christ, the possibilities are unlimited. The possibilities are unlimited. Third, I just ask you to take a 90-day tithe challenge. If you've never tithed before, start tithing. And if at the end of that 90 days you feel like God hasn't blessed you and taken care of you, you need to let me know when you're starting and, and, and be accountable for it. If in that 90 days you feel like God hasn't blessed you, we'll write you a check and give you your tithe right back. That's how much I believe in this principle. I've never had to do that. One man called the office, said, God hasn't blessed me. I want my money back. So I instructed the bookkeeper, have a check written out for him, tell him, come by, it'll be ready for him. He came to my office. I gave him the check. He started laughing. He says, Pastor, I've never tithed in my life. Here's what God's done for me. He said, my wife is so angry at me for picking on you because I just wanted to see if you'd really do it. And I said, I'll always keep my word to you. That check is still in the top left-hand corner drawer of my desk as a reminder. God is always faithful. So start today. If you've never been giving to missions on a regular basis, start giving to missions today. This week, while Becky and I were at the missions conference, missionaries were coming. That, that Saturday night prayer service that we do, just, just an iPhone sitting on top of Becky's piano, and us praying with you and others, missionaries would come and say, you will never believe your prayer service comes on right when the Muslim call of prayer is going out. And we turn on the ceiling fan, and we, we pray with you for that hour. It's such a refreshing time. Other missionaries say, it's amazing right when you call. Coming up, and pastors who were coming up to us and saying, thank you for investing in our lives. We're learning how to pray. We're learning how to lead our congregation in prayer. We get letters from children 
Friends, God does amazing things. We change the darkness into light. God uses us to change the world. The possibilities are unlimited. When we stop consuming the golden apple and we give to God what is God's and we learn to give generously. Can somebody say amen this morning? And this, this is online. If you can put the little illustration up there for me. I, I hope it, there it is. I stole this. No, I borrowed it. I stole this from another church. And you can see the person who just learns to give. They're just learning to give. That's a good place to be. You can see the person that learns to tithe as he climbs the ladder. And then you can see them as they grow in blessing because they've learned to become a generous giver. Would you stand with me this morning? Now, Father... We're going to give now. And I want our congregation to know that giving is not just something we do, but it's an act of worship. God, I ask you to drive this home to each of us. You sat down, you sat down by the vessel that was used to collect the offerings of God's people. And you watched what they gave. Lord, remind us you're watching us this morning. And if we're learning to belly crawl, you clap for us the way we as parents clap for our children. If we're at that drunken baby stage, but we're trying, Lord, you smile and you're there to steady us so that we don't fall and hurt ourselves. But, oh, Lord, you rejoice when we learn to excel because of the grace you give us in this act of giving. And remind every one of us in here that though the rich gave great sums of money, you looked at your disciples and you said, this woman, out of her poverty, out of her extreme love for me, out of a Romans 12, 1 and 2 life of becoming a living sacrifice, she gave more than all the rich because she gave all she had. I ask you today to bless us as we give in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive our offering now. God bless you. You may be seated. Would you stand with me? I want to pray the blessing over you, and then we will go. May the God who has said to you and to me, I will open the windows of heaven upon you, and I will pour out upon you a blessing beyond your wildest dreams. As you walk with him in obedience, may he make his face shine upon you, may he make his smile be upon you, and may he bless you beyond your wildest dreams in Jesus' name. Go in peace this morning. God bless you.